You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison. And here's a man with a plan, leader of the band, buff and tanned, Dave, the killer bread man, doll. Tell him, Mark, welcome to Felony Inc. Podcast. Let's light this shit up, motherfuckers. I'm your host, Dave Dahl, formerly of Dave's Killer Bread. And now I don't make bread, I make trouble. Oh, that's, that's me, you know trouble with me in the studio here today is my pal and partner in crime lad justison lad please tell our listeners today what the fuck is up well you know when you say partner in crime that's not necessarily true because you're the one that's always committing the crime against me i'm i'm the victim that's what you should say every day okay this is my victim lad justison new mantra (laughs) (laughs) So, what else you got going on? What have we been up to? Well, you know, we had a, a really successful um, concert the other night. That was the opening for uh, Portland Interview Magazine. Uh, Dave was on the cover. Really kind of a sexy uh, little pose of Dave. Um, I think they had Just to, a face. They had, shot. To, they had to edit the picture quite a bit. <laughs> it looked great. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, we went down to the Rialto, uh, downtown Portland, and and uh, rocked out the crowd with a couple sets of music. Uh, real successful. We were able to, to raise a few dollars for Central, Central City. And yeah, it worked out good. It, it, worked re- it was very successful. Um, Central City, to those who don't know, Central City Concern is a local, uh, rather large nonprofit that uh, helps people of all sorts, underdogs basically to overcome situations, uh, their circumstances, gives them opportunities for you know, everything from, you know, a place to live, a job, uh, or, or training, or education, uh, things like um, cognitive restructuring, things like that, that, that really are, that make a difference in people's lives if they're ready for the transformation opportunity. So, uh, I'm a big supporter of that. and. On that note, our guest today is a CEO of Prison Entrepreneurship Program, and it's located in both Houston and Dallas, Texas. Prior to his current position, Brian has been a consummate servant, a consummate servant leader in many roles for PEP since 2007. And uh, to make Brian feel at home, I'm going to read my little part here uh, with a Texas accent. Is that okay, Dave? Yeah, good luck. Brian knows both sides of the fence and is able to bridge the razor wire gap. Brian joined the prison entrepreneurship program shortly after his fresh start in 2014 and has earned his way up the ladder with integrity and execution. Brian has a BS in psychology. That's cool because Dave's going to need a little therapy today from Sam Houston State University. 
He has been a business owner and is currently serving on the governing board of another nonprofit organization that helps release felons secure much-needed clothing upon release. And Laz got a BS in BS. And, uh, <laughs> so, hey, hey, Brian. Brian has become a passionate prison reform advocate, giving voice to those who wear the scarlet letter of ex-felon. Welcome to the Felony Inc. podcast, Brian Kelly. How you doing, man? Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks for the intro. Uh, that uh, that was quite an intro, but anyway, it's honored to be here. Thank you. That was the worst Texas accent ever. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he, he tried. And um, sometimes trying is all we can do. You're not always successful. Um, if you think about... I don't know that. <laughs> Who's she? Did that come over the sound? I'm sure it did. <laughs> cool. Okay, we got a female with us today, an unknown female voice. Um, and if she wants to say anything more, hopefully it's constructive. I, uh, I'm, you know, this really is interesting to me, prison entrepreneurship program. I mean, of all people, that's the reason I do this show is because I'm passionate about seeing other people overcome circumstances of all sorts, but in particular prison and criminality, uh, and becoming successful in one way or another. Um, so when I read about this program this morning, I, I went to the website and I took a look at it and I was like, okay, I just got a little bit of general information. Um, I'm not sure how this all works, but I think... I did gather that there's a lot of accountability in it, and this is not for everybody. This is for people who are ready for transformation. So I'm super excited about that that uh, approach, and uh, it's time to let our, our guests talk. Go ahead. What do you have to say for yourself, sir? Where would you like to start? Well, okay. Um, how did you get into this? Well, um, uh, I started because I was incarcerated in 1992. Uh, I was given a life sentence for murder. Uh, I killed a, um, a guy in a drug deal gone horribly wrong. Not that any of them go well, but uh, this one was particularly ugly. And, and uh, uh, it didn't take too long for criminal justice to swoop in and that and, and me and uh, uh, allow me to feel the consequences of my actions and my choices. And, uh, I was given that life sentence, went to the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, um, broken and spilled out, uh, not knowing if I would ever get out of prison. And uh, um, uh, there was some transformation that happened, uh, you know, along the way. Um, and in 2007, the founder of PEP uh, reached out to me because of the change that had happened uh, in my life and asked me to be a peer educator uh, for PP on the inside to help shepherd the men, uh, help them develop business plans, work on character, uh, work on their business pitch, and and just uh, help coordinate on the inside. Uh, and it was an amazing way to uh, to make a difference. Um, you know, again, not knowing if I was ever going to get out again, I, I was desperate to be a part of the solution instead of part of the problem. So that was kind of the genesis from the beginning. 
Yeah, there's nobody, I don't think there's anybody more qualified to do that kind of work than someone who's actually uh, experienced being incarcerated, uh, needing to transform themselves and understanding what it takes to do that. Uh, sounds like you're that guy, just like, uh, kind of like Lad, kind of like me. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Yeah, there, there, there's no doubt about that. We recognize that uh, PEP currently has uh, 29 uh, people on staff, and uh, about 75% of our um, staff is ex-felons uh, have been through the program. We recognize uh, the instant credibility uh, that comes with uh, knowing what that's like, walking the walk, having done so successfully. Um, you know, we've got credibility with everybody coming through the program. That's great. That's you know, um, when I got out of prison, I was just talking about this this morning. When I got out, it, one of my dreams was okay. Whatever I do, I know I'm going to be successful because I'm already successful. <laughs> you know, I don't have anything at all, no material possessions, but I have discovered something priceless, and uh, that was that was what I operated with in the last few years of my prison sentence. Um, I went to school for drafting, and that was just a gift from, you know, whatever higher power there is. Um, that was amazing that I got that opportunity. I got, I went to, you know, I uh, took some antidepressants for the first time, and believe it or not, that really helped me. Um, but I think the biggest thing that changed me was the surrender that I, that I made. Um, when I said, hey, help me, I need help. That was, that was the beginning for me. So the last few years in prison, I was a free man. And uh, I've been free for the most part, except for cages that I've thrown myself in from time to time uh, ever since. Uh, and I understand, I understand that I'm the one who controls all of that. So obviously you do too, Brian. Hey, Brian, I'd I like to go back a little bit. Um, you're saying that these guys accepted you into this program and, uh, you know, were interested in, uh, you know, whatever you had to give them. But what was it before that that put you in a position in order for you to be able to be selected into this program? Yeah, you know, I was in prison about 15 years before... Uh the founder called me to be a peer educator and, and um you know when i came to prison uh, and i was lost um, uh, directionless empty all the things that i had come to count on in life drugs alcohol women partying money um you know phrase all those things were stripped away and i, I basically had nothing so you know there was an adaptation time to prison but uh, about a year year and a half into my incarceration uh with Nowhere else to go. I was invited to a prison ministry called Kairos, Greek for God's special time, and um, I, I went there. Uh, you know, to be quite honest, for the food. I had four days of home cooked meals. And I signed up for that, and uh, and I went. But I just encountered some incredible men uh, there that that spoke honestly and transparently with me. And, uh, made me comfortable opening up. And so uh, at that point, I had never admitted to anybody that I was guilty of my crime. I had steadfastly denied any involvement uh, at trial to my family, my friends. And, and uh, for the first time, that surrender you were talking about uh, happened with me. I, I pulled one of the guys aside and, and just broke down and told him everything about my crime. And uh, he listened to me very patiently, and, and he said, 
Brian, uh, I want I want to tell you a couple things. First of all, uh, I want you to know that I am honored that I am the first person that you would share that with. But secondly, Powerful. probably more. Yeah, no doubt. And, and then he looked at me and he said, "I want you to know that I forgive you." That, and, that took uh, yeah. that that took courage on your part. Uh, that courage came from, I believe, humility and surrender. Um, yeah. The need to, the absolute need to, you know, to overcome your, who you were. Uh, I mean, I think adversity is is a, an amazing teacher, don't you? No doubt about it. You know, I was really sick and tired of being uh, part of the problem. You know, I didn't. That wasn't my plan when I was younger uh, to go to prison for life, and I'm not sure it's anybody's plan. But I did not want to continue to be a part of the problem. I wanted to to become a part of the solution. I just didn't know how. Yeah, that's you know, that's a lot of people's problem. I think, and you know the the knowledge. I think there's so many people who just don't believe that it can be done. Um, and the more successes we have, the more people start getting hope. So I, I'm a big believer in results, accountability, results. Uh, I don't like failures when it comes to transformation. <laughs> um, everybody's going to have failures along the way. That's different. But it's, uh, the rate of success is very important in these, in these things, I think. Yeah. I, I was I was getting at a little bit earlier. I didn't finish my idea. Um, when I got out of prison, I was uh, I, I was just you know pumped. I was super excited about my future. I was happy already. I had been happy for quite a while, and I was just like, well, how can I make a difference out here? How can I? How can other? You know, first of all, I want, I knew I could make a product and. Uh, I figured that I would be successful with it, but I didn't expect to be as successful as I was. Um, and I mean, the idea is the process, the journey is what people, is what I like to tell people is, is great. And uh, I'm on that journey again after falling off uh, at some point, and I love being there. And my big dream now is to see other people do what I've done in one way or another. and. I think PEP is one of those programs, if not one of the very, very few programs that uh, fits that that mold. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. We uh, we regularly take uh, our successful release graduates, uh, guys who have started their business or guys who have just done well, uh, you know, in their jobs, in their community, in their family. We take those uh, guys back inside to go tell their story. Uh, we uh, we refer to them as the recon squad. You know, they went out in, in, into the unknown territory and come back with, uh, uh, you know, the, the routes you need to take and the pitfalls and the, and the successes and just foster hope to the guys on the inside that you, too, can do it. Can you tell me... Um... Can you tell me what it takes to get into this program? What it, what is required for you know, uh, prerequisite to get in, and then, you know, anything that is expected to stay in the program and for graduation. You know, what are the metrics? Just tell me everything about the program as you um, would explain it to to some dummy sure. like lad. 
Gotcha. I'll start with a brief overview, and then I'll kind of go back to our recruiting. Uh, we're basically a nine-month program inside of Texas prison. We currently operate in four prisons in Texas. Um, the program itself is nine months long. The first three months we call Leadership Academy, and it's kind of a character assessment and character development. Uh, I tell the guys over and over that we are not trying to make better dope dealers. Uh, we are trying to forge better men. And uh, to do so, you know, uh, it, it, we're going to have to take a good hard look at self. Um, and so that's the first thing we do. One of the first exercises the guys do is uh, write a eulogy if they died that day uh, and, you know, tell the truth. And for most of us, a pretty bleak picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we start building on that truth and, and talk a lot about uh, character issues. And, and we run a program of accountability, holding each other accountable and teach the guys how to do that in a prison environment where snitching is totally taboo. Uh, we're teaching them how to pull each other's behavior to a higher level, to a professional level. That's um, a big thing. Yep. Yeah. Hey, Brian. Uh, so, you know, yeah, go ahead. Oh, he, I was just wondering, Brian, you know, with the, you know, four different prisons that you have there, how many uh, guys do you have in the program altogether at one time? So we typically have about 350 guys who are in PEP on a unit at any given time, and they might be in different phases. They may have just arrived to the prison unit. They might be in the first phase at Leadership Academy. They might be in the business plan phase. Or if a guy is still around after graduation, they become what we call servant leaders, and they effectively shepherd the guys coming behind them and help that class. So we, we could have up to 350 guys who are roughly housed together, um, uh, iron sharpening iron. Well, so um, before we go there, real quick, I want to get to, after our break that we're going to have in just a second, I want to get to a bunch more, um, a lot more information about this. Um, I really want to know basically what it takes to stay in this, okay, what it takes to get into it, what it takes to stay in it, how much work is expected per week, and how much dedication, um, you know, what, are the, what again, what are the metrics for these folks, and then I want to know uh, the success rate, how many people graduate, and then of those, how many people are successful going forward. Uh, but first, Lad's got his radio voice again. That's right. <laughs> what do you think, Brian? Do you think I got a good radio voice? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm worried about the Texas accents, but otherwise, you <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. He would not. He would not make it in Texas. That's right. You know, not the thing is, is that uh, I got a good radio voice, and it's good that I'm on the radio because I don't have that face for TV. You know, neither does Dave. So we're good. <laughs> So anyway, CPA dudes were where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Okay, now I want to get to the meat, the meat of the sandwich here. Um... Can we? Can you just lay out what is expected of these folks, basically? Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I mentioned earlier our first um, 
three months leadership academy is a character development that really sets the stage for a six month business plan uh, curriculum where we encourage the guys to develop a, an idea they have for business. It might be you know, a passion they have or some skills that they have or, or just an idea they have. Uh, and we start bringing in uh, business leaders from the community to serve as um, advisors and, and mentors. Um, we run short tank type events with uh, our business executives who come in to the tune of uh, 50 to 80 at a time, um, business plan workshops, uh, mock interviews, and things like that. So we're just uh, helping the guy develop his business plan and his pitch. Uh, by the end of class, uh, every participant will have crafted a business plan about 10 to 14 pages long. They will give a pitch uh, on their plan to a, a panel of executives um, that will, it'll be about 10 minutes long. Typically, it will cover their product or their service offering, their industry, their competitors, differentiation, a three-year financial forecast. It'll probably even include a plan for philanthropy. Um, they will do so with passion, with uh, with skill and confidence that they did not have when they came to the program, and it's amazing to see that transformation. Uh, but during the course of that, uh, we reiterate and kind of grind in the, the character part of it, and we've got 10 driving values that we live by, things like accountability, integrity, wise stewardship. Uh, excellence and execution, and we're constantly just kind of uh, grinding those things in and making sure that everybody's living by that. Um, and, and so there, there, there's some mild sanctions that go on if the guys kind of wiggle off the path. We'll, we'll try to get them back on. Uh, and, and sometimes there's some behaviors that you know, uh, we just can't live with. We'll call them from the herd, and typically about 10% of our starting class will not make it to graduation because they've either quit or, or gotten separated for behavior. That's not too bad. Um, I, that's actually a pretty good number in my uh, book. Uh, not that, I mean, the most important thing is the people that are in there are the right people. And I know that you you stress that. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we pull guys from all over the state. We pull from over 80 different prison units. And we've got great cooperation with the uh, Texas Department of Criminal Justice to uh, ship the guys to one of our four units. Um, but we're, we're not really looking for white-collar crime. We're not looking for college education. Um, we want guys who are, are within three years of going home because we really want to uh, hit them hot and heavy, uh, you know, their last little stint in prison uh, and not let them drift back into, you know, kind of the prison culture. Um, but I, I, we're really just looking for guys who are sick and tired of being sick and tired and are ready to commit to change. Uh, a lot of our guys will either have their GED or are working on their GED, but we are taking them through um, undergraduate-level uh, curriculum supplemented with graduate-level case studies. Wow, that's great stuff. Um, and you get your funding from where now? You're all over the place, right? Yeah, it, it's we're, we're completely privately funded. No government money, no state, no federal. So That's we great. get uh, yeah, we get money from individuals, foundations, corporations, and churches typically. Yeah, all along, it's one of the things when I got out of prison, I was thinking, you know, whatever I do, I would like to avoid politics. I would like to avoid this system. 
uh, and and having to have taxpayers put the bill because that just gets really that just creates another barrier, I believe. And uh, so I think the fact that you guys are, are getting this done uh, in the private sector or you know in your your ways of fundraising that you do uh, is in itself a successful idea. Um, that's my view anyway. And, you know, what I want to do is I'm, I'm really curious about all this because I'm always thinking about stuff like this and, uh, how we can, how I can make a difference locally, you know, inspire, uh, inform, um, and, you know, make something like this happen locally here in Portland because it's not, I mean, is it happening in Portland? Well, Sonia is basically doing the same That's thing. True. A previous guest that we had, Sonia, um, she does the same thing. It's not as big as what you're talking about. Um, it's just one facility in many facilities in Oregon. Yeah, and I want to help Sonia too. There's no doubt. And um, the business in the box, I think that is local. I just am not familiar. We're going to hear more about that in a couple of weeks. So... Um, yeah. So, Dave, you know, I'd like to ask Brian, I'd like to go back just a little bit because I, I like the personal side of the story here with Brian. Um, so, Brian, you, you got a life sentence. Um, right. Obviously, you're going to have to see the parole board at some time, some point, in order for them to say, okay, you know, we're going to let you go. Uh, so, what, you know, all this stuff that you're doing with the program, um, was that helpful in getting, you know, eventually released? Yeah, you know, let me kind of go back to the beginning. I, I was introduced to PP in 2007 uh, as a peer educator, just kind of, you know, shepherding the class. And uh, later on, we would move to a different unit uh, to offer the program um, and, and have a little more room to do some stuff. And I was not able to go because I had too much time and it was a pre-release unit. So I got sent back to my uh, original unit. It was just devastated that I couldn't be a part of PP. Um, and uh, with my sentence and uh, a weird sentencing quirk, I, I actually had become eligible for parole after six years on a life sentence. Uh, but, you know, we started receiving a series of denials. As soon as I had cleared the 20-year mark, I got to meet with a parole commissioner, and the conversation changed drastically. He basically was telling me what my parole was going to be like when I got out. He was telling me I'd made parole. And, you know, blown away, uh, he asked me at the end, he said, do you have any questions? And I said, well, yeah, I've only got one. Will you wait and give me parole next year? And he said, excuse me, are you asking me to stay in prison for another year? And I said, yes, sir, I would like to go through PEP and develop a business plan that I have. But the only way I can do that is if you give me parole next year so I have a hard release date. And he sat there with his mouth agape. He's just like, I don't know that he's ever heard that, but that's exactly what he gave me. He, uh, I, I bargained for an extra year in prison to go through PEP. I know that feeling. I was ready to do the same thing. Uh, and they put me in a drug program uh, that got me out early instead. And, I mean, I was like, okay, I just want to keep doing this. I don't care if I, I want to keep drafting. I just want to keep drafting because this is fun. This right. is, there's a lot I can learn here and I can create. And I was just the happiest I'd ever been in my life. And I was sitting right there behind bars. So, you know, I get it. Um, yeah, well, tell them what happened is, you know, you're in the program mm -hmm. and uh, satisfied with what you're doing. 
But then all of a sudden, Powder River calls, yeah. or, and they say, okay, come take the it's program. like, you have to. Yeah. You, you got to do this. And yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a couple years out, off my sentence. That sucks. <laughs> you know, because it wasn't <laughs> part of the plan. Um, and so, I mean, I, but it turned out great. I mean, obviously, it, it worked because the attitude went with me where I went next in the drug program where it was one of those things where you had to hold everybody, each other accountable. Um, so I learned, I learned some new things there and, uh, it was a part of my growth. And so every, that's what people, you know, you got to expect from people that are transforming and they really want to transform is they, they should be accepting and you don't, you don't know it all. You know what I mean? People don't know it all. And, um, if they think that, well, I got this thing figured out and I don't want to hear what anybody's got to say, then, you know, that's a mistake. Um. I'm, I learn every day from from people, even Lad. I learn what not to do when, when I'm hanging out with Lad. That's right. So, and back to the subject. Okay, um, Brian. Um, all right. I want to know what's happening currently with your program. And by the way, Lad did 20 years uh, for the same sort of situation. And uh, yeah. so that's why he was particularly interested in that. Uh, and by good behavior, he ended up getting out after 20. So, uh, so anyway, we, I want to get to, um, you know, I don't, I don't care about those 10% failures because that, that's hopefully sometime at some point they're ready to, but we have enough people, uh, that are, that are interested in change and I don't think we can serve. Uh, I think you're serving all the people you can at this point, right, or what, or not? So uh, next month we were going to have our 14th birthday. So we've been in existence about 14 years. The first 10 years we operated just on one unit, having two classes a year. Um, in the last few years we've really branched out. We're now up to four units uh, in operation in Texas. and. Um, currently going through a strat strategy review with our leadership team and governing board and entertaining great interest from several states, uh, Oklahoma, Indiana, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and others are, are reaching out and just clamoring for PP and we're, and we're trying to put together the, the model that uh, we could use for execution to do that. Uh, I think there's a great need uh, across the country. What we have found is Preparing men and women for entrepreneurship um, is a great way to prepare them for success and a better quality of life on the outside. Uh, typically, about 17% of our graduates, our released graduates, will start their business. But even those that don't, we have found that they are much more marketable um, out there to employers. And typically, the employers just love them. We have such a great relationship with a lot of employers in, around Texas that uh, our average of getting our release participants a job uh, is in about 20 days, and yeah. that's at about 60% oh. above uh, minimum wage, or, or right around 1250. That's great. Um, so it, you know, it's amazing uh, how marketable our guys and, and ladies become. Uh, and 100% of your graduates get jobs. Is that right? 100% of our our graduates have received a job within 90 days, and that's mm. over the course of the last seven years. Wow. I read that this morning. Um, that's pretty cool. Now, again, uh, see so what, how many, 1,200 people so far? 
Is that what it is? So we, we've had about 2,000 release graduates in our 14 years, uh, but we're now kind of pulling about 1,200 a year into the program now that we have four units. So we, you know, we've greatly amped up scale and are looking to do that quite a bit more. Great. And if you are able to uh, duplicate this around the country, oh, my God, what a difference. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Wow. You know, Brian, it's kind of ironic that you say that because you know Dave pays me twelve fifty an hour too. So yeah, <laughs> so not I'm good true. to go. Yeah, Lad works about twenty hours uh, a week, gets paid for forty, and he's way overpaid per hour anyway. So that's that's the real truth. Okay. Well, that's well, you know, we, we've done some survey work uh, on our on our folks, and we have found that uh, the wage scale greatly increases, you know, as they've been out longer. And at the three-year mark, our guys are making on average twenty-six bucks an hour. They're basically making fifty grand a year, uh, you know, a livable wage. And forty-two percent of our release graduates own their own home at the three-year mark, and I wow. think that's just phenomenal. That is totally but, that's great. It, it also kind of punctuates the point that it's so difficult to get an apartment. That's the logical next oh, yeah. step from, you know, either transition because they need to buy to their own. own. <laughs> yeah. I, I, man, this is exactly my story. I, I had to find people who were compassionate or whatever, friends or uh, things to get a place to live, even after I was uh, fairly successful with my own business, uh, the, my family business. Uh, I just, because the, you know, they just automatically reject felons. And, um, so I, I, I had a hard time. I lived in slums, but it didn't bother me. You know, I would, I could have lived under a bridge, uh, if I had to, that's just the mentality I had. And I think it's good to have that mentality. But, um, when I, the first, after about three years, I had enough for a down payment for my house. And I uh, lived in that house for quite a few years until just recently. Amen. And uh, so I see that. And, you know, I've talked to, I've begun talking to a lot of local people who are passionate about helping others, helping these, these underdogs one way or another. And, you know, in these conversations, one of the biggest things is, you know, the employment is one thing. It's a little bit, I think it's less of a problem than the housing. What do you think? You know, there are so many obstacles for release felons when they get out. And I'm struggling. Matter of fact, I'm going through the housing issue right now. Um, I'm engaged, and, and uh, we want to be cautious about going forward. But um, so I wanted to, you know, move into a new condo in the Dallas area. And, and it's amazing to me. I've been out almost four years. I've got a credit score of about 800. Uh, hmm. I've got you know solid check stubs for four years. And nobody would lease to me. It blew me away. You know, I was showing up in a suit and tie, uh, and and everybody you know sees me and is like, oh yeah yeah we want you here. Oh, you can't pass the background check with a twenty six year old felony. Oh no, you need to go. Uh, so it blows yeah. me away. Yeah, because um, I, as I was talking to the, a gentleman yesterday who's sort of an expert on this. I mean, locally, uh, you know, I was saying, well, what. How do you get folks to change their minds if you have, uh, you know, people working, people living, say, you got 50 or 100 places, 100 uh, doors in a complex, apartment complex? How do you, those, all those other folks are like, okay, wait a minute, you're letting this felon in here? 
um, that's making you're bringing down the value of my my home. You're 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 putting me uh, in harm's way, perhaps, and my family in harm's way. And it, a lot of times, it depends on what a person did, but um, it, a lot of times, it's just a plain a felon. And I I asked him about that, and he said, well. You know, there's there's ways that we might be able to to fix that, and it's like rallies, uh, rallies where we show we just we get attention, we get media attention for success, uh, successful, um, you know, uh, events, success, successful moments, or uh, when people are able to actually go out there and show that they are changed and do a great job living wherever. Uh, we can change attitudes about it, and if you Amen. get, if you get like uh, every time you get a an apartment owner or manager to say, "Hey, I'm willing to give this a shot," um, that just builds. And my goal is to get media attention for it. Uh, when we have a successful or sort of a, a little momentum that we can show, and uh, that's kind of my. It, once I started realizing the challenge with housing in, in our area, I, I started getting sort of passionate about uh, the idea of finding ways to alleviate that. That's my long winded <laughs> I was recently looking at a, a property for a transitional house for our program uh, at Fort Worth, and the broker that was showing me the property, you know, I uh, explained what we do, and he was he was on board. He, I found out he was ex law enforcement in that area, so he he kind of knows the clientele, so to speak, and <laughs> and he was expressing to me how difficult they were to work with, and finally at the point I told him I said, well, you know, I'm a graduate of the program, I, I, I've done uh, almost 22 years, and his mouth fell open, and he said, Brian. I was in profiling for the Fort Worth PD for six years, and I would have never guessed that you're an ex-felon. He said, you have convinced me more than anything that your program and what you guys are doing is spot on. Isn't that it right there? It's it's showing, it's changing minds through great uh, success stories like yours. Um, that's what it's all about. And I think the more we do it, it just takes, it takes time. I think there's a movement. Uh, I see you're a big part of it. I see Defy Ventures maybe being a big part of it. I haven't, I don't, I'm not aware. I'm not super familiar, but we're going to have them on soon. Uh, Business in a Box, is that what it's called? Um, I, I'm just excited about the, the initiatives being, being taken and I'm looking forward to being a part of that uh, one way or another going forward. So, uh, yeah, I just think it's it's all about getting attention for success, and it'll it'll change things. You know, Brian, I don't I don't know if you read up on Dave or if you know Dave Dave's story very well, but um, at one point, Dave received a really prestigious award, and part of it was because thirty um, percent of his workforce. Uh, was ex-felons and uh, was doing a lot of great things in the community. Dave, uh, what was the name of that award? I think it might have been, the one you might be talking about is uh, Oregon, uh, um, I don't know. The Business Award. Oregon Good good, good Guy in Business. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. What was that called? Um, yeah, it was. Oregon Ethical Business. That's right. Yeah, something like that. Uh, business and ethics. Anyway, we were this guy, uh, this this company with the president who was an ex-felon, 
uh, getting the Ethics and Business Award. And that was kind of uh, ironic and kind of full circle. Um, myself, I've been successful enough. And again, financial success is not how I measure success. But uh, there came a point this the end of last year where I decided to actually go out and buy myself a condo at the top of a tower here in Portland. And I, I, I'm able to, it's a beautiful place, and I'm able to walk out on my balcony and look down at the place where I started and sold my first bread, uh, the Portland Farmer's Market, and it's, it's pretty cool. And you know, the key for me is, is to remain humble and to remain uh, teachable. And, uh, and and that's what I'm all about with accountability. It's ultimately, you know, it's up to us. Uh, everything we do, everyth everything we do, we can choose our, our futures, but um, it does take constant, it, it takes repetitive good behavior. It takes, it takes changing the way you are. And, uh, and I think that's the key, so. Uh, yeah, we've had, we have had great success locally. And when I remember the guys and girls that came to work for us in prison or at uh, Dave's Killer Bread, we learned that, hey, um, what were the ingredients to Dave's success? What were the ingredients that are kind of, uh, you know, universal? And to me, it was, um, it, it was all those, it was humility. It was the courage from humility, the ability to take whatever is whatever opportunity is given you, even if it's cleaning toilets, the the um, the willingness to be just the best you can be until somebody um, notices and gives you a better job, uh, and and you, you're always taking the best, taking the next opportunity. Um, I when I see that in people, I know they're going to be a good employee. Well, you know, Brian, I, I'm sure you look at this too, you know, with your program, but one of the big things uh, that, you know, Dave uh, used to look at when hiring an ex-felon was uh, what they did before they got out, you know? Like there's, there's no magic line there. When you walk out of prison, you're just going to start doing good. It's what you do in there that prepares you for that, and that's one of the things, you know, Dave would look at real heavily. What have you been doing in there? It's one of those ingredients that I'm talking about is what has that person been doing while they're incarcerated? I mean, if you were in there for 10 years or whatever and you didn't do anything, you're just like, well, when I get out, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be, I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to take care of my family and all that kind of stuff. But you didn't do anything to make that uh, a real probability while you're in prison. Um, there's those people and those are not the guys you want to hire. You're right. You know, we uh, we sent out a 14-page application to our uh, prospective participants, and it covers just about everything, you know, from family history, drug history, work history, uh, the tattoos that they have, um, you know, uh, kind of a, a self-assessment of what would be their problem points getting out, a writing assignment. And one of the things, you know, I'm looking for is him. You know, you know, the, the institution likes to call it institutional adjustment, but it's exactly what you're talking about is what have you done with your time? Uh, are you trying to prepare to do something different? If you are, we want to empower you to be the best you can be. Uh, but if you're content with just playing dominoes and basketball and watching Jerry Springer, you're exactly. more than welcome. God bless you. 
I say the same damn thing all the time to people. Um, and so what have you been doing? Dominoes, basketball, Jerry Springer. You know, I used to love playing basketball in prison, but hey, that was... That wasn't what I did. I, I, you know, you got to do the exercise part too. I think physical exercise is is a great thing, as it can be part of your transformation. Uh, but there's so many things that you got to change the way you are, the way you believe, the way you think, and uh, and and how you execute. So, uh, just a little break here, a little break for pork bun domain names for your business or personal brand with the lowest prices and amazing free services. Yeah, that's right. Uh, everyone's heard of .com, .net, or .org, but did you know you can get a domain name that matches what your startup does? If you are a design entrepreneur, you can get a .dom, .design domain name, use your imagination, and contact them at porkbun.com slash radio. All right, so those guys should be making a lot of money now, right? But because we've really been promoting them. That's right. Uh, hey, yeah. br- hey, Brian. You know, I went to the yeah. website and uh, I seen a picture of you there, and I I noticed that uh, you have little hair. Is and uh, <laughs> I was wondering if you could, you know, because you got this psychology thing going on. I was wondering if maybe you could talk to Dave about his comb over. <laughs> That's uh, not good. That's <laughs> they just figured that out on its own. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know what? I, I've seen people more hair challenged than me, that's for sure. So, um, Even ones that have more hair. Yeah, yeah that's right. I had always heard that God made uh, a few perfect heads and the rest of them he put hair on to make. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hide their shame. No, no. I never heard that. I like that. I like it. Because, I do too. Um, Okay, so uh, what what is coming up? What is what are your goals? What are your your big dreams for this program and in general for our humanity? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, in the past year, we have launched our program on a women's unit for the very first time. For several years, I'd go out and make presentations about PEP, and the first question would be, "Do you do this for women?" and, and uh, my answer till that time was no, and I'd give some, you know, what I thought were some pretty good answers. But uh, we have finally started a program for women. Uh, our pilot program went really well. Um, uh, the ladies just blew me away in uh, going through a kind of a truncated version of our program. Uh, they really stepped it up at their business plan competition, and then uh, we we host a graduation where each one of our participants can invite up to four family members and. You know, it's just a powerful moment to see hope rekindled in uh, in the eyes of the family. Um, one of our ladies had come to prison uh, pregnant, and when she gave birth, of course, they took her son from her, gave him the family who went to the West Coast and didn't have the funds available to bring him to visit. So the very first time that she got to see and hug her son was at our graduation. He was uh, over four years old, and it was an emotional moment. So uh, brought the house down. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I think the you know venturing into uh, the female side of things has been very exciting. Uh, we, like I said, are really entertaining the idea of, of going outside of Texas and taking our show on the road and taking a look at what that looks like and. Uh, you know, just bringing the message that uh, 
you know, ex-felons are humans. Uh, they're not commodities to be warehoused and shelved and forgotten about. Uh, they're human beings, uh, you know, deserving of not just a second chance, but sometimes a legitimate first chance. Uh, mm. Most of our folks have never been modeled uh, how to live a successful life. And so let's empower them to do that. Amazing. Uh, yes, and what you know what's amazing is they become great assets to any uh, to a community or uh, you know on the no matter what they're an asset to the community when they turn their lives around because they're no longer a negative pole but they're a positive influence and that's like a two person swing which is powerful and then and then the person uh, becomes an asset to to the, you know every everyone from um, the business that they work for or their own business to uh, the community, to the family. I mean, this is just amazing, the ripple effect of what one person can do. Um, and so every person is a prize. Every person is, a, is, is important, valued. Um, it, and it's a practical thing. I mean, if, if you don't look at it from a spiritual perspective, you should at least see it from a practical perspective. Uh, it makes our world a better place when you turn somebody's, when somebody turns their lives, life around. I, I can't emphasize that enough. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, uh, uh, as Americans, I think we love underdogs. And when, when somebody comes uh, out of the ashes and, and is reformed and does something different and shocks the world, you know, we all step up and, t and pay attention. So I just want to highlight more and more and more of these amazing folks who are, are coming out of the uh, the ashes and the shadow of prison to, to shine. Uh, I, I, I can't do that enough. Hey, Brian, uh, it's, uh, we give you the opportunity, uh, if you'd like, to uh, promote your website, promote, uh, you know, anything else that you might want to promote at this time. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we've got a website. It's pretty easy to go to. It's pep.org. You can always Google Prison Entrepreneurship Program, but pep.org is a great way to find out about us. Uh, Boy, how'd you get that? That's great. That, that's a, that's <laughs> actually, you know what? That's actually a, um, a lesson for entrepreneurs. How did you pull that one off? Uh, you know, it, it was, uh, it happened years and years ago. So I guess we were early on and caught somebody slipping, but, uh, that, uh, that name fell to us pretty easily and I'm glad it did. No one can uh, forget that pep.org. Yeah. I mean, come yeah. on. That's so easy to remember. Everybody, hey, everybody so, visit pep.org. We, uh, we have some opportunities for folks to get involved. Of course, you know, it takes money to run this program. I would love somebody to send us a big fat check. That, that mm -hmm. always helps. But we have no problem that more funding wouldn't solve. But, um, but there's other opportunities to really get involved with our uh, entrepreneurs on the inside. We have business plan advisors uh, that anybody from across the country can be a business plan advisor with us it's done by email what we do is as the guys are putting their business plans together they'll write out a section at a time and our um, our development associate will email that to 
our business plan advisors who will read it, critique it, offer suggestions, maybe do a little market research and send them the information back because our guys don't have internet access on the inside and they're scrambling for information to put their business plan together. So if that's something you would like to do, we'd love to help you, you can do that through our website or, or, you know, if you're in Texas, we'd love to have you come to prison with us. We have so much fun inside of prison. It ought to be illegal. I bet. I bet. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be a lot of fun. And, um, I have, you know, there's not a lot of listeners yet to this program. We haven't really uh, promoted it or anything. We have live listeners at the moment, uh, but it's a it's a limited audience. But we hope over time that this will catch on and a lot of folks will be listening as we promote it. Uh, and when they do, anyone who's listening to this, please get involved. Um, there's I can't imagine a better and more rewarding opportunity here for volunteer work. Uh, I hear people all the time that want to want to be a part of uh, helping, you know, helping everything get better. And uh, I can't think of a better way because, you know, like I said, every time a person transforms, it is phenomenally uh, exponential. And, uh, I mean, I can talk of my own transformation, and if you think about the results of that, uh, I can't take credit for that. Uh, obviously, there's a higher power than me, you know, uh, that it was looking out. And I did the right things to uh, access that. And, uh, you know, because I've seen in my own transform- transformation just amazing things, I believe in, in transformation as just an amazing tool for improving the world. So that's why I'm excited about talking to Brian and seeing what he's doing and and what other folks are doing in this space. Hey, Brian, you know, uh, I'm kind of curious, you know, of all the guys that have gone through the program and gotten out, and you said that 100% of these guys have gotten jobs. Within 90 you know, days. Within 90 days. How many of these guys, and I know you probably don't keep track of all of them, but how many of these guys that have been out have actually started their own business, a successful business? So, yeah, we've had about 2,000 graduates who have uh, exited the program and come out. Uh, Of those 2,000, we've had a little over 350 businesses started, a rate of about 15, or excuse me, 17%. Um, Of those 350, we've had five or six that uh, currently have revenues of over a million dollars a year. So, some pretty significant businesses. Uh, Most of them are probably a little more modest, more, more of a sole proprietorship, but uh, I think we've got some great stories that are coming out of that. Well, you know, Brian, we'd, uh, uh, like Dave was saying, you know, we're, we're just starting up here and we're trying to get, you know, a, a bigger audience and everything. But um, it would be great if sometime down the road when we do get that, you know, a substantial audience that we can have you come back on the program. We we'll love to, guys. I love what you're doing. I love the way you're kind of spreading that message of hope and, and change and transformation. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's such a powerful thing, and uh, you are a hero in my book. Um, I'm I'm proud of you, man, for for turning your own life around and then uh, keeping it going by helping others. It couldn't be a better vocation for guys like us. So uh, I'm going to, you know, do you have anything more you want to say real quick, Brian, before I wrap it up? Are you good? Uh, You know, I would just uh, say, 
reach out to the whole country and say, you know, we need to give these folks a chance. You know, 95% of the people that go to prison are going to get back out again, and they're going to get out in Texas with $50 in a bus ticket and, and no real chance unless we get involved. Crime is a community problem, but it's going to take a community solution. So let's just jump in and, and help each other out. We're in this together. We're on this planet together. We might as well work together. I couldn't have said that better. That was great. Well, Brian, thanks so much, man, for being on this show today. Uh, I really believe in what you're doing. I think you're a great man. Um, so, hey, thanks again, man. It's my honor. Thanks a lot, guys. Great. So, hey, you've been on uh, Felony Inc., the Felony Inc. podcast with Dave Dahl, that's me, and my buddy, Lad Justison. And I want to thank again our, our guest, Brian Kelly, with the Prison Entrepreneurship Program. Join us this and every week live at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, StartupRadioNetwork.com. If you don't join us live, we may visit your house late at night when you're least expecting it and make you listen. Breaking and entering Lad's ass. This will be full-on breaking and listening. That's right, Dave. That's the number two on the, on the old funny scale. Coming up after the break is a Latino Founder Hour with your host, Edgar Navis. Their podcast we is usually in Spanish, so que pasa. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.